This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Are you confused? Scared? Hiding? I hope you're hiding. Please, if you are with any other person while listening to this, immediately distance yourself. Get one of those headphone splitters or sync up your phones to start them at the same time because there's no risk of getting the roni here. We want everyone to be as safe as possible. Uh, We are recording this from three extremely separate locations. Uh, We, of course, being me, Matthew Robertson, and my loyal Lookout Landing uh, blog parents, Kate Prusser and John Troopin. How's it going, guys? How how are we doing health-wise, first of all? John is like a year older than you. How is he your blog parent? Well, he's, you know, I feel like you guys are the sort of the matriarch and patriarch of the site, and then you, you add to the family as needed, and that's where I came in. Plus, I feel like <laughs> I have the eternal, eternal spirit of a child, and John, I feel like, has the <laughs> eternal spirit of a dad, which is... Weird, because he is only, like, a year older than me. (laughs) I I definitely have, like, the voice and sort of facial hair uh, of a dad. I don't know that I have quite the personal responsibility or uh, maturity of a dad, but I'm I'm working on it. Thank you. Sure. I think people who are listening to this and have never met John would assume that he was older than he is. That's that's kind of the vibe I get from John's podcast demeanor. Did you know how old I was before you met me? Uh, no, I don't know. Probably not. I think I probably just kind of didn't think about it, you know? Like, I don't, I'm not scrolling through Twitter thinking, I wonder how old all of these people are. Um, really? I actually do that a lot. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I mean, not like, not like actively, but it is something I wonder about because it is so, you know, you just never know. And then, like, I've, I have been floored by how old or young uh, a lot of different people that I've sort of consistently followed on Twitter have been. Well, I'm doing great, everyone. Thanks for asking. I feel (laughs) strong, powerful, uh, really no different than I did a month ago. Uh, Just a little more kind of rudderless. Like, I feel like life is so pointless right now, not to immediately get into, like, all of the, the sadness, but, like, it feels so weird to, like, be existing in a world that is not really doing anything. You know what I mean? Mm No, yeah, totally. Yeah, frozen in place, which is how you should all feel. Everyone should feel like that. Like, you should, this is a weird time, and you should feel like life has ground to a halt, because it has. And if you're not living your way, life in a way that it feels like it's ground to a halt, then you're doing this wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, like I said, if you're... If you can even see a single person right now, you are no longer invited to listen to the Lookout Landing podcast. You have to go. I'm sorry. I mean, obviously, the exception to this is anyone who's still being called into work, which I know there are a fair amount of people who are um, also small business owners, restaurant owners, just hanging on by their fingernails out there. Make sure to get out as much as you can and um, order pickup from these places. I went to West 5. Order directly. Order directly, yeah. No, I mean, DoorDash is making plenty of money right now. Uber Eats, all of that. If you can leave the house, if you feel safe, um, you can just call it into places. And that way, 
the servers and the people who make your food get your tips as opposed to it being funneled a lot of extra money being funneled through a third-party company so I mean it's a balance uh, definitely but you want to take care of the people who are making your food yes totally and uh, to remind everyone this is a baseball podcast so we're gonna try <laughs> to maybe talk about baseball as much mm. as we can unfortunately the news of the week uh, is is deeply personal to me. I've just yeah. learned uh, some troubling news regarding my beloved Noah Syndergaard. Uh, I think if I had to guess, I think my man was still working out extremely hard. <laughs> I think that's, I think he's one of those guys who only really has one gear. Like they told him baseball stopped, and he was like, "Well, not for me. It doesn't." And was just like <laughs> going in a barn somewhere. Yeah. And uh, apparently, his UCL is no more. It has yeah. been partially Left torn, maybe barn. fully torn. I. I shudder to look at the actual details of the news, but Noah Syndergaard is getting surgery. That's the number one thing that has happened. It is scheduled for Thursday the 26th, which was sadly also supposed to be opening day. Um, that is not happening anymore. And I think for me, the worst part is that we just have no idea when they're going to start, right? Like if the MLB or the government or whoever was like, life goes back to normal May 1st, I think it'd be much easier to navigate these these trying right. times. But like, how are you guys feeling about the state of, like, life resuming? Do you have hope that it'll be soon? Or, like, what is, if you had to guess when baseball comes back as someone who has no information about the topic whatsoever, when do you think we'll see the boys on the field again? Oh, I, I think there's a good chance. I, we see, we've seen it in, what is it, in Taiwan and Korea. They are playing i think in japan as well um teams are now like doing essentially their spring training um just in empty stadiums and i think we could see that in like june maybe july uh if things sort of go well um that is definitely i am i would like to think i'm not really holding out hope for that too strongly but i definitely like that would that would do a lot for my sort of enthusiasm if I knew like, okay, it's going to be weird, but it is going to happen. Like that just would mean a lot. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I think there's reason to think that that's going to be the case, but man, I don't know. Kate? Uh, I, you know, it all depends on how quickly we can flatten the curve, right? Flatten the curve, mm -hmm. flatten the curve. Mm -hmm. um, I've found it really useful during all of this to follow the Dominican Republic, just because it is a country, so it's like a, you know, self-contained organism, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it has minimal borders. It just shares with Haiti, which um, went a long time without having a confirmed case of coronavirus. I don't know if they still are or not. Um, but anyway, it was it was interesting to just kind of watch how that developed, because it was five and then it was 11, and of course it was introduced by tourists um, coming to the island, specifically from Italy. Mm. And now it's just been doubling and doubling and doubling. And I was talking to Jonathan Classe today, who is one of our prospects in the DR, and he said, um, you know, the feeling right there, there right now is not great because they are still seeing this explosion of cases, new cases every day. And again, remember, you're talking about an island that's like the size of Maryland. So every, everything is, um, you can just kind of witness how the pandemic breaks out in hmm. 
a microcosm, right? Um, and the people are still going out. Not a ton of the population, because again, it's not a huge population, and so it's a small percentage, but they have dispatched the police who drive around the streets of Santo Domingo at night and um, break up parties. Like, they come in with their sirens and their bullhorns and get back in the house. Um, so that's pretty aggressive, I think. We're definitely not seeing anything like that here, but I think it's the kind of aggression that you're seeing that will flood flatten the curve. It's sort of similar to what we saw in China, where uh, it was really weird and dystopic. But they just walled off Wuhan and uh, kept everyone in their houses and put recorders on the street to make announcements to people so they had no reason to go out, delivered them food and ve vegetables at their home. Um, so I think that it'll it'll be really interesting to me to watch when things crest in the DR and when they start to go down. Um, because that gives me a lot of hope that the more extreme things we are able to do now, the quicker we'll be able to get over it. So I'm encouraged by all the stay-at-home orders. I hope people take those really seriously. Um, and I feel like if we do, then we are maybe on track to see baseball this summer. But if people keep going out before we've really got, I, I just feel like we don't really have a handle on this thing yet. And until we do, until we have enough people being tested and we have an idea of how it moves through communities and we've contained people from getting reinfected, um, I don't think it's under control yet. And I don't know if another two weeks will do it at this rate. There's literally a group of people walking by in front of my house right now that are five adults together. What are you doing? Hold on, I gotta go yell at them. <laughs> Alright, Kate's gonna go yell at them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that like, the crazy part to me too is like, are they gonna just do like a short season or are they gonna try to play baseball into like November, December? Because then they'd have to do it all in like Arizona and Florida and like we'd have to do the World Series at like a spring training stadium and that feels insane to me right i it's got to be a short season and you know like that obviously would suck but it, you know there's plenty of precedent for shortened seasons like all throughout the game's history you know we've had yeah uh strike shortened lockout shortened you know war shortened seasons um i mean there's there's just it, it's obviously unfortunate and also like I'm no doubt like owners and just generally teams would be unhappy with it because it's fewer sort of gate gate receipts and whatnot. But it's also like there's a good chance a lot of the season is played without fans there, so there is no gate receipts happening. Um, so you know, I think we probably get a double header heavy kind of schedule, and you know, definitely a little bit of delay. But, uh, you know, I, I, th I think it'll be pretty weird. I know I saw sort of people talking about doing a tournament style uh, kind of thing with, like, uh, you know, something a little bit sort of March Madnessy with, like, series, which I think would be interesting. Like, I think it would be super cool if they just said, we're going to do one weird one, like, for this year and then went back to normal stuff the next year. Uh, so I, I'm actually kind of curious to see if they come up with something fun. 
Yeah, the weird silver lining is that this does present a lot of opportunities for baseball to get creative, something mm -hmm. that it's famously been horrible at for mm -hmm. a generation. Mm -hmm. uh, I also like that also means I don't have a lot of faith in them. Like, I do feel like they're just going to do true. the easiest solution and do like yeah. a 55 game season or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. whoever makes the playoffs out of those just does the normal playoffs, which mm -hmm. is also funny because, like, I mean, obviously. It's not likely, but like if they do a fifty-five game season, like the Mariners could get hot for fifty-five games. Right? Sure could, sure could. <laughs> and I feel like that would be the most Mariners me, possible yeah, outcome. Yeah, exactly. Sneaking yeah, into the playoffs in a season that people will say doesn't count, like would count so much for Mariner fans. Now would just be so fun. Also, then you could like conceivably just call up all the the prospects, right? Because if it's only a short season, like you might as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that's how I feel about it, at least. Like. If you're only going to play 55 games, why not let Jared Kalanick play 30 of them, you know? Are you guys familiar with the uh, with what happened in the 1981 season where there was, like, a mid-season strike? I think so. Is that the one where, like, whoever was in first place in the first half and whoever was in first place in the second half, like, that was the league championship series matchups? Uh, yes, that is exactly correct. Um, yeah, I know things. But the problem was uh, the the way that they did it was essentially that like because that's like the way that they set it up in a lot of the minor league uh systems is like because teams or players move around so much they have like a right. first half winner and a second half winner and if you win both the first and second half you get a buy from the first round so it's like incentive for teams to play uh, hard in the second half the teams with the best record Basically, the the team with the best record in the NL East and the team with the best record in the NL West, which there were only two divisions at the time in each league, neither of them made the playoffs because of the way they set it up. So the Cardinals didn't make it, and the and the Reds didn't make it, uh, despite having the best records in. Well, the Reds had the literally the best record in baseball, and the Cardinals had the best record in their division overall. Um, yeah, so I, I think if they can do better than that. You know, that'd be something at least. Yeah. I mean, Rob Manfred, if you're listening, please come on the podcast. We can help you figure That's this true. out <laughs> on true. the air. You have nothing else to do. Like, what is there to do right now, Rob? You're just doing the classic, like, look busy thing. We've all been doing it. The whole country is pretending mm -hmm. to work right now. Like, mm -hmm. you have time to do a one-hour podcast, Rob. Talk mm -hmm. to our people. I will say, uh, there's a question that we got um, from Ugly Tacoma. It's Tacoma's beautiful. Um, assuming we get any baseball this year, would you prefer a shortened season or something wacky like a tournament? Yeah, I want the wacky for sure. Uh, yeah. I gotta agree. Yeah, I, I, there's just, you know, I mean, I, th I think that's easier also in fairness because the Mariners were going to not be competing anyway. So like the regular season's integrity is, could not be much right. more, less consequential. Like... You know, so I mostly just want like the most baseball possible for both entertainment purposes and also like developmental purposes. And then anything beyond that is like, that's gravy. Yeah. I would also yeah. say um, I would rather have a totally novel version of a thing, weird as it might be, mm -hmm. than like a watered down or cheapened version of the original thing, which yeah. is what I feel like a super shortened season would be. Like a 50. 50-60 game season would be that, I think. 
Yeah, it would also feel like a little, I don't know, low-key insulting to just have like a regular season but shorter. Like that kind of is like pretending like nothing happened. You know, like you might as well acknowledge like, hey, this is weird. We're going to try to make it up to you instead of just like, here's a season but shorter. You know what I mean? Like why not just let the fans and the players too, I'm sure the players would like it, you know, let them have some some fun. Like it's not their fault that a pandemic broke out right before the season was going to (laughs) start. You know, like, who could have seen this coming? Let them, like, just have one little season in their career where things can get wacky. And I think we're going to see, too, like, if they do the the short season, like, so a lot of players would just miss the whole thing because of, like, a nagging injury, and that's no good. So, like, we need to just, you know, I want to look back on this in 30 years and be like, oh, my God, that 2020 season was absolutely wild. Not, like, yeah. oh, it was, you know, like a lockout season or a strike season that we've already – done before because like like it's so unprecedented that they might as well just kind of say fuck it you know that's my thought ugly Tacoma thank you for the question um I guess in the interest of transparency we should tell everyone we had plans to do an interview today with a guest which uh, understandably got canceled due to circumstances so we are instead crowdsourcing a lot of this Uh, we posted a question on Twitter literally right before we started so we're going to be answering those essentially live. And then we also have questions from our staff. But one thing that I want to talk about before we jump into those is uh, I mentioned at the top of this that this week would have been the start of the season. Opening day was scheduled for the 26th. So I wanted to hear any uh, any opening day stories or opening day memories that you guys had and uh, how you're dealing with sort of the absence of that this year. Because I know for me, like, I, I had planned to take the day off of work anyway. Like I was gonna, I already put in my sick request and everything, and I've since, you know, rescinded that. But I was planning on just like staying at home and watching baseball all day because that's what I, I love to do on opening day. So, uh, what was your guys, what was your plan, and then what is your favorite opening day memory if you have one? Yeah, I haven't um, been to opening day really recently. I've gone a couple of times, um, and I do love it, but it's also like. It's kind of overwhelming for me, like, with the the crowds and everything. Uh, a really nice gift that my mom gave me a couple years ago was a ticket to opening day. One solo ticket she, it, in the club level. Uh, she gave me the gift of not having to go to opening day with anyone, and it was a perfect gift. I just did everything I wanted to do, and it was great. Um, but I find that opening day is, you know, it's a lot of crowds. It's, it's a lot. Um... I get just as much joy, honestly, sitting at home and watching baseball unroll throughout the day. It's really exciting to me to fire up MLB TV and and find whatever the first game of the day is and just become incredibly invested in it, even if it's two teams that I really wouldn't care about much during the mm-hmm. regular season. Um, just that that sense of baseball being back and the openness and the possibility and... I don't know. I know it's not always sunny, but it feels like it's always sunny on opening day. And um, gosh, it's just, it's like breath. It's like getting, it's like catching your breath after kind of being shut away for this long, cold winter. And um, I know this year we are all going to just appreciate the hell out of opening day when and if it happens. Um, It's the one thing that kind of is nice to think forward to here. but yeah, it is, it's just, I guess if I had to sum up opening day in one word, I would just say, yeah, 
possibility, freshness. Even when you know the team isn't going to be good, it's just it feels like a restart. It honestly, to me, feels much more like January January first than January first does. I I one hundred percent I agree. Like that was I always have looked forward to opening day a ton. It's I haven't like always gone, but we've gone to a lot of them. Like I was there in 2018 for opening day for Felix um, managing to sort of like work past Cleveland somehow. Um, and I believe D Gordon hitting a home run um, yes. off Corey Kluber or so, something to that effect. I I'm, I'm don't remember the exact details, but I remember just like that game. No, that was the Nelson Cruz homer. Um, yeah, but but in that in that Sunday. series, D Gordon hit his homer and did the perfect Griffey bat drop. Um, but like that game, that like essentially was the encapsulation of the 2018 Mariners of like a two to one win where Edwin Diaz like got a save and it just was inexplicable that they had beaten this team. Um, I, it's just it is just wonderful. I think my favorite one. Um, I believe it was fifth grade. Uh, essentially, I got to leave school early, which was obviously huge, and um, went down and saw it was the year, I believe it was 05. Yeah, so it would have been 05. So Adrian Beltre and, um, and Richie Sexton uh, sort of both just essentially uh, making their Mariner debuts. Uh, at home and Richie Sexton hit two homers I believe and it just felt like okay 04 was the like aberration like the Mariners are amazing again everything's <laughs> fabulous Aww, like yeah. sweet summer child yeah First, you know, can we can we take a goofed. time out and talk about the amazing experience of getting out early of school as a kid oh. just that feeling oh. of being able to leave and Go get your lunch at McDonald's or whatever, and oh, yeah. be f- walk out with all your classmates behind you. Yeah, just a oh, bunch of suckers. You're leaving in the dust. Oh, yeah. such a great feeling! And then to know that you're going to a base—usually it's for a doctor's appointment, right, or something terrible—but then yeah. to know you're going to a baseball game, like oh, oh, there's mm. just no better feeling in the world. Yeah, I think even better than that was when I got to to high school and realized that I could just leave if I wanted to. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying I did this all the time, obviously, but like I definitely Most remember sort of having the schedule where like sixth period was like art or PE. And I was like, I don't really need to be here. And then also, you know, sorry, dad, if you're listening, uh, the first day of school where they give you like the the emergency seat, I would always just do that on my own, you know, like put in a number that was not my dad's. And then if that call would go to someone <laughs> who was not my dad, so I could essentially never get caught um, for leaving school. Their absences the stack up, obviously. So you got to, you know, you got to track those, keep your stats, know how many days you have left. But that was, I think, the most liberating thing ever for at least as a child, knowing that like you've scammed the system and you've taken power into your own hands and like, yeah, I'm just going to leave. I don't, and no one can really stop me. Like I walked out the door, there's no security. I drove home and I was just home. And a couple of times I did that for baseball. One of them that stands out is, uh, this is so specific and random, but 2012, uh, giants reds game five, 
I was like, lucky because they play all those games during the day, you know, in the NLDS. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at my phone in school, and I was like, oh, this game's close, and like it's gonna come down to the last few innings, and it's an elimination game. And so I just went home and watched the end of it, and that was the game where Buster Posey hits a home run, and like the Reds catcher is like immediately just gets all crestfallen. People will know what I'm talking about, hopefully, oh, yeah. but the clip is hilarious. Like as soon as Posey hits it, you can see the catcher kind of <laughs> collapse, and I was very validated for missing school for that. So. Yes, I think we can all unite behind the memory of leaving school early as a kid. 10 out of 10. Even though you took it into a dark place. It's not that dark. Come on. Not a dark place. Not a dark place, but it's like... It's like a Ferris Bueller you know, place. We're talking about the pure, the pure goodness, innocence of childhood. Then Matthew has to spin it to his... His uh, degenerate high school days. Listen, you can't run from the past, okay? <laughs> and also, at least in my high school, while you did get in trouble for showing up late to class, there was no punishment, uh, or there was basically no punishment for missing uh, class entirely, um, which was a bad system. But uh, <laughs> what? That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> no, it does not. I mean, there was like, if you just like were missing whole days, then you would like get into truancy trouble but if you were just like missing individual classes you wouldn't be like missing for the day um so like you were incentivized essentially to not show up if you were going to be late because if you were late like twice then you got detention um but if oh, you're okay. absent, i definitely remember would. that whole thing of like if i'm going to be late i might as well be really late and that's when you like go get a coffee or whatever i did that a couple times yeah yeah Sorry, Kate, former oh, professional well, teacher. <laughs> the school system has has many problems. That mm-hmm. being one of them, it is a bureaucracy. Us, like Matthew, and I else. being one, being two of them. Yeah, I'll, I think I'm the problem. Like, personified. yeah, I will tell you if you want to solve these problems, uh, pay for schooling, because then you are acutely aware. That's why. I mean, some people are bad about it in college, but I felt like in college I was very acutely aware of how much every class cost me, and um, and I also I took all the classes I was allowed to take. I was like, this is like being at the buffet. Of course, you load up your plate. Like, it could not be me. Did not understand people who had like two classes and just weren't, you know, making the most out of their time. Well. I don't know. I think this has also been completely, like, thrown in my face during the age of Roni. But, like, the whole American obsession with productivity is so strange to me. Like, I get that, like, if you're in college, yes, go to class. You're paying for class. Like, go to those. But, like, at a time like this, like, to still be harping on, like, we got to, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, get stuff done. It's like, why can't we all just relax for a little bit? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, this is the perfect time for the country to just, like take a step back and be like, hey, it's fine if we don't grind ourselves into dust during this. Like, if anything, I think we should be working less hard. And this is obviously just my opinion. I don't speak for everyone. But, like, why? Like why? why do we have to, like, pretend like everything is normal? That's the weirdest part to me is everyone who's, like, trying to just go on with their lives as though nothing else has happened. It's like a lot of things have happened. Let's acknowledge that and adjust accordingly and maybe – you know, work 80% as hard as you normally do. Because there's also nothing to do with a lot of jobs. Like, if there's nothing to do, don't create work for yourself. I've always been a proponent of that. <laughs> no, it's very fair. Yeah, stop telling me about Shakespeare writing King Lear in quarantine. I'm not writing King Lear. 
Yeah. Also, I'm, like Shakespeare didn't have Twitter. Like if he had Twitter, he <laughs> yeah. would have spent the whole time on Twitter. Exactly. Like, That's very true. I mean, Shakespeare would have been an excellent Twitter follow. Oh yeah, him and Dr. Seuss would have been incredible. But yeah, way less. Yeah, way you, less you just productive. don't want to look at at uh, Dr. Seuss's old tweets. You really don't want to look. <laughs> at Wait, is Dr. Seuss bad? Super racist. <laughs> oh no. Okay, I rescind my statement. <laughs> Wow, you're just crushing some childhood <laughs> dreams today. That's an enormous bummer, honestly. I had no idea. I guess you always kind of have to keep that possibility open, like white guys from that era being bad. But Dr. Seuss, man, I thought we were boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's some unfortunate characteristics. Doesn't mean the books are bad, because the books don't really like lean on that necessarily um they don't lean on racism good for them well i mean you know what's like you know i don't know this (laughs) no no there'll be there'll uh, be things where it's like oh this is obviously like metaphorical or something like lovecraft is very metaphorical about his racism in things but like dr seuss is not particularly in in some of the texts i don't know no, anyway, I mean, what's her next could, you could argue in one of in the Sneeches, it's a lot about not prejudging people, the star-bellied Sneeches who think they're so much better than those regular exactly. Sneeches. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, very othering, Doctor Seuss. <laughs> Problematic. Okay, Problematic let's, let's Doctor Seuss. That's good. What else can we take on? Yeah. Yeah, the podcast is now just people submitting things that they love from childhood and us telling them why they're bad. You love going to school? Bummer for you. It's way better to not go to school. Cabbage Patch Kid dolls made by child labor. Ooh, probably. I don't know if that was a bit or not, but you're probably not too far off. Yeah, probably, come to think of it. It was just, and again, I'm so much older than you guys that, like, Cabbage Patch Kids were the big toy of my childhood. They were... Mm. Oh, just if you had a Cabbage Patch Kid, it was a status symbol, certainly, because they were stupidly expensive. But it was just people, we we just loved our Cabbage Patches more. I loved my Cabbage Patch more than my own sister. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, she bit the feet off my Barbie dolls. Like, come on. That's an easy choice. That's fair. Oh, boy. Yeah, what other, what other golden idols can we topple? Well, we have some some baseball-adjacent questions um, from Isabel Manassian, who was a trooper and came to us in a time of need with a bunch of questions. My personal favorite of the batch she sent us is, which major leaguer will nickname himself Roni for players? Oh, gosh. So there are three different players uh, who played in games in 2019 at the big league level whose last names are Corona. Really? Uh, Yes, uh, there are actually sorry. Who minor league players? Who I was who, gonna say. Uh, sorry, no. There's uh, there's Jury Corona, Kennedy Corona, uh, and Rabin Corona. If I'm Kennedy not mistaken, Corona. Kennedy Corona, Kennedy Corona, who I, I believe is like a kind of interesting uh, outfield prospect for the Mets. The other two are are uh, still in the Dominican League, so. Uh, got a ways to go, um, I think before before you actually see them at the big league level. So they may not they might not really have access to it. Um, 
I, I, I mean, the easy answer is Seth Beer, right? Like, you, you sort of, you go, you just kind of make a couple leaps. He, he gets promoted, and boom, you got the corona. Why not make one more step? I guess, yeah. I was my mind immediately went to like baseball's kind of shit heels, like Trevor Bauer. I feel <laughs> like will do. Trevor Bauer is gonna do something, right? Like he's not just gonna forget about this. I think he's gonna milk it for content, which is great. Like that's exactly what we're doing. But I feel like he'll have something to say about it. I'm trying to think, like anyone on the Mariners. Like I don't know if they really have that like style of. Humor. I feel like the Mariners from yeah, what we, I think are taking this very seriously, which is good. There's not yeah. really an edge lord on the Mariners. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, this, that's really, a Josh Reddick, I think, is is kind of I don't think Josh Reddick is smart enough to be an edge lord. I think it's <laughs> uh, which is not so much an endorsement of edge lords as it is an absolute dunk on Josh Reddick. Um just to be clear. Uh I I really think Trevor Bauer is the answer to that i would say maybe like brandon mccarthy if he was still around and he might do it jokingly ty Kel- one of the you know big personalities of baseball twitter but a lot of those guys are that funny because they don't play anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah they don't they don't have something to something to prove or, yeah. or jobs to maintain so that it has a strong trevor bauer feel but honestly i think uh guys are taking this so seriously because it is their livelihood and what was kind of a joke early on like oh don't let the rony catch you and when they were being sent home from arizona and stuff and now has like resolved into like wow this actually really sucks on every possible level and we all hate this thing i don't think anyone would be willing to do anything to be associated with what is the great unifying enemy of baseball like sorry new york yankees you've been dethroned yeah, uh, and the, the, Ast- new evil yeah, the Astros are got to be thrilled, right? Like, this is just absolutely I know. magnificent it's, for the Astros. I've been thinking about that. Everyone's going to forget about the Astros. It's so yeah. annoying. It makes me really sad, actually. And Verlander was supposed to be, you know, on the shelf, and I was really hoping that they would, like, tank for a while there and just really suck. And, yeah, now it's... It's a it's a glo- it took a global pandemic, but by George, uh, somehow the Astros got bailed out. Yeah. Nevertheless, Ugh. all right, let's go to uh, another Isabel question. This one I think is fitting for the times. Everyone has a lot of um, reflecting to do, a lot of time to just sit around and think. So uh, Isabel asked, "What has been your biggest regret as a baseball fan?" And I'm gonna, you know, this can be big, little, like, you know, it could be an in-person thing, it could be an existential thing. The first one that came to mind for me was uh, I was living in San Diego in 2017 and I didn't go to the World Baseball Classic, and I feel like I definitely should have done that. I don't really even remember Uh, why I didn't. I just don't think I really... I went to the World Baseball Classic in San Diego. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) see, there you go. For whatever reason, it didn't click to me, like, oh, you can just go to that? You know what I mean? I don't know what it was. Like, I guess in college, like, you're always trying to, like, save money and all that and like you know it feels like like your life is so contained on the campus for the mm-hmm. most part at least for me it was that I never like I I knew it was going on I remember watching it on TV but I wasn't like oh my god I could go to that it was very right. strange like now in retrospect it was like no fucking duh you should have gone to that <laughs> <laughs> I really like I don't have a good answer but it is a huge regret because one of the games in San Diego was 
the Adam Jones robbing the home run. And, like, that's, right. to me, one of the coolest baseball moments of the decade. And, like, right. I could have very easily got a ticket to that game. And for many reasons that I don't fully understand, just simply did not. I, I'm trying to – I've tried to think about this because I don't think that there's, like – I don't know if there are games that I wish I'd gone to that I didn't. Because um, I've got, you know, I've gone to a lot of games. I, I've been very happy to do that. Um, I suppose, you know, maybe just not having gone to many other um, stadiums. No, you know, not not sort of taken time yeah. to to plan trips or, or just generally to, to visit other ballparks, whether I've been in town or just near that or, or what. Um, you know, I went down to Arizona a lot during college for baseball that I was playing, um, and we didn't typically spend time necessarily in Phoenix, but, like, there were times when we were down there in April and we could have possibly swung Dimebacks games and, like, I don't know when I'm going to be in Arizona next. Like, you know, that's, that's, you know, so the, those are, I think the types of things that, that, you know, I, it's, it's just not doing more necessarily. Um, not that I don't, I don't have regrets that I missed things. They're just, I would like to do more of the things I've already done. John stole mine because I've driven cross country four separate times and somehow never did it four or five, something like that. Somehow I never did it as a, a plan around going to different baseball stadiums because I've been to so many states and I probably could have accomplished so many different baseball stadiums, mm-hmm. but I did not think of that until are, I was kind of What are all the here. ballparks you've been to, Kate? Not a lot. I mean, a really shamefully small amount. Thanks for asking and making me out it on on the podcast. <laughs> okay. I well, have a What's fun. your favorite? Yeah. No, I have not been to like any. I mean, I've been to like Citizens Bank in Philly and Safeco, mm-hmm. and that's it. Well, Safeco, and that's oh, it. Wow. I mean, I've n- never, no, never been. So, mm-hmm. um, and it would have been tough when I was going like in the winter months, but I definitely so like this last time that I came out was midwinter and it wouldn't have worked, but. I drove back east for college for in the summers and could have easily done it. So, yeah, big regret. Big, bad regret. I don't like this question. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> all right. John, uh, do you have a favorite stadium before we move on? I just want to know which one you like out of all the ones you visited. Yeah, non, non-Safeco slash T-Mobile. Uh, definitely Petco. Petco's sick as hell. Um, it's beautiful. Like, San Diego's obviously just sort of perfect weather to go to a baseball game in because it's warm but it's not like chokingly hot it's just right. like you know beautiful and like it's really green like there's all sorts of greenery and like plant life that they've intentionally like cultivated around the stadium to make it even more welcoming um they have all sorts of food they've got like a organic grocery store inside which is kind of wild um <laughs> They also have, like, $25 beers. Like, they have, like, the craft beer that, like, Safeco has, but they're even more expensive. That's, like, I think yeah. there are truly places in Petco you can get a beer for, like, $18. <laughs> that is not something I love about it, I will say. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I I just like hanging out near 
baseball stadiums and near baseball fields. And Petco has sort of this fabulous setup that like there's a big grassy field essentially just past yeah. center, and you can basically like walk there anytime. Yeah, and you know, like you can, that's all open even when there's no games. You can pretty much like yeah. see into the stadium yeah. from 200 yards away even exactly. when there's no games going on. Yeah, so it feels like really communal like really just like built into the neighborhood and like the neighborhood is like it's downtown like it's right next to the train tracks and then like it's not like it's like the edge of the you know possible neighborhood but like it's really cool and it's you know it has a ton of the aspects that like i would love to see more of in ballparks um and that i think safeco slash t-mobile does some of but doesn't necessarily have the like neighborhood around it to make work or like the immediate sort of like space around it to make work and so i thought that was awesome what about yeah. you yeah petco's great i saw a basketball game there once too what? and met bill walton what? there it was, it was quite the experience yeah my alma mater my beloved terreros mm-hmm. played the city championship they call it against san diego state mm-hmm. and they played it outside because you can play basketball outside in san diego sure in the yeah and actually, it worked out great. Um, I, San Diego, the school I went to, the University of San Diego, pulled off a huge upset against San Diego State, who's very good at basketball usually, and San Diego is not. But playing outside really fucked with San Diego State's shooting ability. Hey, so yeah. the final score was like 53 <laughs> to 49. I love it. got the dub. Just a trash game. That's it was an fabulous. awful game. Yeah. That's I think there was like one end of the stadium, because you know how you switch sides at halftime? So like yeah. the teams that were going towards one side shot like 20% and then the other side <laughs> it was like normal shooting numbers but I think it was like towards the open end of the stadium no one could figure out depth perception so they just were missing everything it was hilarious and I'm glad see, that happened, this but. is this is the kind of wackiness that I want to see in the season if we ha- if we have it like I want to yeah. see some wild let's put baseball in a basketball stadium let's figure that mm. out I think that'll be fun <laughs> I, I um, would at very least see, love to see like big league games like kind of travel to like you could maybe set them up if like there are hot areas that teams can't play in like have them play their games like split between minor league parks or something like that right like i think that would be a cool solution so like you could see big league games like at arkansas where no one and see like oh can nelson cruz hit homers out of <laughs> like yeah. you know like you know i think that would be a cool thing um you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move to uh, the internet's favorite topic, which is food. We have two food questions that are both uh, topical and I think pretty funny. Uh, the first one came from Eric Sanford, staff writer at LL. Eric says, "Scenario." Scenario. Here we go, yo. You are quarantined with the 2020 Seattle Mariners. You've run out of food. Which player do you eat first? Oh. Have you guys given this any oh. thought? Have you ever been watching the Mariners and thought I would like to eat that person? No. You know? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, me neither. This is a first. I think I have an oh. answer though. Alright, hit me. I think I would eat Dan Altavilla. Oh <laughs> wow. Yeah, I feel like I don't know, I wouldn't want like it's meat, right? So you want like a lean meat, you want something that <laughs> you know. In shape, like I don't want it to be too fatty, but I also don't want it to be 
too skinny. I feel like uh-huh, Dan Altavilla uh-huh. takes such good care of his body that it would follow. Oh yeah, and he has to taste good. That's yeah. premium, Kobe grade. Yeah, <laughs> Kobe braid beef, beefy Kobe middle reliever. Beef. And like he eats well, I would imagine. So that like would help, you know. Like it's totally, essentially the totally, human equivalent yeah. of being like grass fed or whatever. So <laughs> that's my answer. Oh man. Yeah, uh, my you know, um, go for my it. My weakness is veal, which is a terrible thing to eat and to like eating. I had it in Italy once. I didn't know what I was eating, and I loved it. It was the uh, roni. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Maybe Dylan Moore is like the equivalent of veal. I, and there's got to be some muscle in there somewhere because he is, you know, surprisingly powerful despite the fact that he looks like he would be kind of. St- sticks and bones um and also there wouldn't be i feel like there would be a mad rush on vogie and alta villa and our beefier lads so like dylan moore would just be sitting there on the shelf for me and um i feel pretty confident that i could like take him down too if i had to because we didn't i mean are we going to like a grocery store where they've all been like butchered and prepackaged for us i don't think so like they're out in the wild they're alive yeah and you have to kill any them. I mean, Alta Villa would be delicious <laughs> and would also scrunch me up like a basketball and shoot me into the sun. So, <laughs> uh, Kate, I think you probably lead the nation in like total percentage of your words that are about Dylan Moore. Like you talk about <laughs> Dylan Moore on every episode. <laughs> oh, I was so excited to see where that was going to go, and then it it went there. Ah. Lead the nation, uh, in percentage of your words, uh, about (laughs) Dylan Moore. (laughs) Because I just knew exactly where you were going when you said his name. Like, you were going to talk about how he has the surprising power and you don't understand how his body works, like, in terms of generating Look, it's my niche, okay? No one else is on this. I've been on this beat since day one. If anyone else tries to horn in on it, I will eat you like I would eat Dylan Moore. (laughs) Bam. Uh, Mr. Troopin, the the floor is yours. (laughs) Yeah, sure is. And you gave me a lot of time, so I really could have come up with something. But I did just kind of inventory in my head. And drawing a blank, I am going to say Nick Margavichus. Because he is very, so, you know, lengthy. um, Mm -hmm. Got that lean meat sort of that you're describing. But uh, not necessarily, you know, I feel like you could get away with it maybe without drawing the ire of your companions uh, quite as quite as quickly. Yeah, like when they even noticed that he was gone. That's, yeah. Man. That's a rough one. What was the other food-related question? Yeah. And was the it other one move on from this one quickly and agree never to speak of it again. We are trying to have a... Mariner's Prospect on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Our next episode. That will come back, don't himself. worry. Hmm. The other food-related oh, question man. was, what is your end-of-the-world stockpile snack? So this is about actual food, not eating humans. But if, you know, what's the, if you've already been doing it, that's even better. But what's the one that you would like buy a shit ton of to have in case you truly couldn't leave the house ever again beef jerky which is a boring answer i mean it's a survivalist answer like there are probably compounds deep underground stuffed with hundreds of pounds of beef jerky but 
Yeah. Uh, it is both nutritional and delicious, and I love it. And my other answer would be, I have a, a huge thing of cashews that I got from Costco, and Ooh. I give myself a handful of cashews every evening to signal that the end of the workday is upon me and it's time to change out of my day pajamas and put on my night pajamas. Of course. <laughs> Because uh, that's the fun I have. And I, I give myself a little handful of cashews as a treat. Um, that sounds fun. Maybe with a glass of wine. And that's like my, my evening. Yeah, it's like, oh, the the long, dull work day is over. It's time to descend into the long, dull evening. So. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I think I've burnt myself out on beef jerky. I ate it a lot as a kid. Like any road trip, any sort of, you know, time where I wasn't going to be near a kitchen, we would always get beef jerky. And I don't really love it the way I used to. That's a sad story to me. It is. It is. I flew too close to the sun on the wings of jerky. Although I have a similar story with uh, Doritos. Like, just me and a bag of Doritos one afternoon and emerging from that, like, I can never eat one of those again. What flavor? Just the original nacho. I will still get down with some cool ranch Doritos, obviously, but obviously, uh, yeah, yeah no, the regular, just the regular, because I didn't like them all that much, and then I was like, you know, actually, that sounds good, and then I don't know, my body was like, a new snack. We've never had this before. Better eat the whole bag in case we can't get any more ever again, and yeah, just totally, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you kind of. Yeah, you overdo it. Like, mm, mm. I've eaten enough for my lifetime, thanks. Hmm. Yeah. I I would definitely say Fritos, um, the, like, honey twists. Oh, yeah, those are great. Because they're fabulous, but they also, very importantly, like, the bag for them is always just packed full. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, dense. Fritos, but, yeah. like... Of like Lay's and like all these lousy ass chips, like it'll be like half full. You know, like the chip is good, but it's so unsatisfactory to buy. Fucking Fritos is like, you know what makes great packing peanuts? More Fritos. Like, just stuff this bag. Fucking j- slam a jamma full of the product, and people people will respond. The people do respond. So I buy that shit every single time. I would just <laughs> swim through it like a like a golden money pile of Fritos Man. honey twists. Oh. That sounds really fun. I want to do both of these things. I want to be the cashew at the end of the day. <laughs> as, as, a, as a dignified end. It's like the workman's bell. Just yes, bong, exactly. bong. But I have to get to it by swimming through a bunch of Absolutely. Frito honey twists. Kate, I'm imagining, have you, like, at the end of, uh, like, near the end of Pirates of the Caribbean 3, when th- shit's just, like, wild and they're in limbo and jack sparrow's like eating one peanut or something um on a plate i don't know if you guys have yeah, seen it feels i mean i have not seen it i think it's cute that you think i have seen it um pirates of the caribbean <laughs> you're not like three? the crypt keeper. pirates of the caribbean three did you say well it's a great series defense, those are pretty big during our during our youth, our yeah, formative years. Those are like events for sure yeah i was at a little place called the bar all right. Well, <laughs> sick for Kate. Not social distancing bars. <laughs> during <laughs> during Pirates of the Caribbean's. Hey All right, Man. I have a question. I have a question I want to ask. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that I liked. 
challenge, come with, up with the best possible pitcher using only tools and pitches from our organization. Logan Gilbert is cheating. So, but just if we're uh, going to make a, a mecha pitcher, who, who are you slamming together? Who's different body, different pitches, body type, etc. Are you crafting the perfect pitcher out of? Okay. Brandon Williamson, like, frame. You have six six like lefty with yeah. crazy extension because it's you know just a lefty version of Logan Gilbert. So if you're doing that, uh, might as well get the left-handed version as it is superior. Exactly says Kate um, the left-hander. Well, and and like baseball history. So <laughs> if you're everyone, just uh, I'll, I'll go with tomato. you. On that. That's fair. Um, I think George Kirby Command? Is it too obviously. early to say that for George Kirby no, Command? Probably obviously not. George Kirby. No, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Says a lot that we started with two minor leaguers who aren't <laughs> like that close to the big leagues yet. Right. Yeah, it's not ideal for sure. Um, I'll give him, how about like, we can do like Justin Dunn's hair, you know? Totally. Who we do Justin Dunn's like overall swag because his whole presence on the mound, the way that he like comports himself, the like way that he just kind of, you can see him flip the switch when he gets out and start and has like, he does this head thing and he does this kind of shoulder thing. I'm doing it in my house. It's not helping any of you, I realize, but mm-hmm. um, he just has this whole routine and there's like sometimes he'll walk backwards off the mound after he strikes a guy out looking. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah like I, I would just like to, I would like all of that, please. Yeah, I want like Dunn's swag, whatever we want to call it, with like Marco's poise. You know what I mean? Like mm. Marco, I feel like is the one who like can have sort of elements of that, but also stay so like level headed. You know what I mean? So mm. I want to be able to combine those two things somehow. Mm-hmm. But with an edge, Marco is level-headed, but he can get hot and emotional, but he is always able to, I think, funnel that through, like, cool composure. Marco Marco is, I I would say, the most clutch. He's a clutch pitcher, like, when he's in hot water. Sure, yeah, he's definitely the one I'd want to pitch if we had to win a game. Yeah. Um, I will throw Devin Sweet's changeup in there. Yeah. The best changeup. Um, yeah, say, whose fastball do we want? Uh, if he can command it, Harrison Batista's maybe. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he, well, we get to have other people. It has George Kirby's command, so right. yeah, we'll take. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Batista. You probably want just a Sheffield slider. Definitely, um, yeah, good call. And maybe Sam Delaplane's sort of curve, slurve, whatever. Um, yeah, we get an extra pitch, and it's the slurve. Well, you know, you got two breaking balls. Who's got a, who's got the best cutter? Who's got a good cutter? Um, who or does have the best cutter? Um, it's not a really cutter-heavy group, honestly. I mean, Marco has a cutter, but it's not particularly Yeah, he's the only dominant. one who came to mind. Um, yeah, I mean... You know, Kikuchi will kind of cut his fastball at times, but again, this Ooh, not... I want this mecha pitcher to have Kikuchi's windup. That would be fun. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, deception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, since we've decided he has the frame of of Williamson, so he's left-handed, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we this can would be give terrifying. him that. 
<laughs> this yeah. is the most terrifying picture. I love this. And yeah. let's give it Altavilla's workout plan. So <laughs> yes. And, and yeah, Altavilla's yeah. thighs. Um, yeah. 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 No, I like this. I like this. This picture is going to be unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> this is absolutely, absolutely a terrifying human being. And I would like to give him Logan Gilbert's brain, even though we said no. I don't know if that's cheating because... Give, give him uh, Isaiah Campbell's no brain. Isaiah Campbell's also super tuned into it. It's true, but it. I know more about Logan Gilbert's that's brain fair. and that's the fair. analytics and whatnot, so... Uh, if if we're allowed, that is the that's the pitching mind that I would like to put into this completely terrifying mecha picture that we've assembled. Mm-hmm. I think we've anyway. done a great job. I think the Mariners should you know follow suit. Obviously, you can't do this IRL, but you got to try to find you know pitchers who match some of these things, right? Like look for the pitchers who have the George Kirby command with Harrison Batista's fastball and you say Kikuchi's windup. It's out there somewhere. It's you know? actually got to do some just... digging. Uh, thank you, Nick Fielden, for that question at Nickel Fielden. That is a good question. Here's another good one that we got on Twitter. Thank you again for sending all of those in. Um, at Garbage Sprite asks, how's pro athlete Instagram? Who's the best at entertaining social media pro- posting? Right now, um, obviously they are on social media a lot because they have nothing else to do. Um, so there's Jacob Fraley is showing a little bit of surprising um, uh, personality in that he is hitting bombs off his two-year-old son, which is delightful and cruel. Um, we were supposed to have Jamal Wade, who is a pitcher in the minor leagues on today and sadly had to postpone, but we will have him eventually. And in the meantime, Go check out his TikTok because it is um, again. There's there's a lot of downtime, so it's it's there's it, it's rich in content. Let's put it that way. Extremely rich in content. My biggest fear is that the the pandemic will push me to actually download TikTok because I've yeah no. This is I think that this is between Matisse Thibault and this like this is the thing that's gonna break me. So yeah, and to be clear, it's not like a stigma thing. Like I'm not worried about the like oh it's for teenagers whatever. It's I know I would spend too much time on it, and I don't need that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'd rather not use this time for another mindless activity. I'd hope to do something a little bit productive, even though I just. Spent the first half of this railing against productivity. (laughs) (laughs) You contain multitudes, Matthew. I do, yeah. I work hard, but not that hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's Uh, the key. Uh, Okay, we have a question. Uh, Kate, can you help me out here? Who was the one who asked the uh, the highlight question? Was that Sean something? That is Seiko Sean. Seiko Sean, yes. Thank you, Seiko Sean. Uh, We appreciate your question and your continued support. Uh, they want to know, have you fallen into any baseball highlight rabbit holes, how deep that goes, which ones, all that. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but I definitely have done this, so that's why I wanted to bring this question up. Um, I watched, I believe it's 33 minutes long, a super cut of the 2016 Mariners, uh, which was delightful. I would shout out the YouTuber, but I don't have it in front of me. If you type in 2016 Mariner highlights, you'll find it. Just go to the 33-minute one. Uh, That was really fun to relive, and I'm really grateful to this person who made it because they didn't use music. Like, they just had the announcer's calls of each play in it instead of, like, overlaying it with, like, Eminem or whatever. So I really enjoyed watching that. It was fun to – because there was a lot of 2016 games that I forgot about. I wasn't, like, fully invested in the comeback. That was the year of the comeback, right? 
Yeah, the comeback is in there. There was so many walk-offs, which I that forgot about. Like Leonis Martin and Adam Lind each had like three, I want to say. Um, you have Guillermo's first hit against the Red Sox. They were down like three nothing in the eighth, and then they get to David Price, and then they bring in Fernando Abad, and Robbie goes deep off of him. Oh yeah. So there was a lot of fun games in there. The video, though, I will say, is not in any discernible order. It's just no. kind of highlights <laughs> thrown together randomly. So that part can be confusing. Like game one sixty one is like in the middle of it. And then it ends with, like, some random game from May. But it still is really fun. I'd recommend watching it. And then also there's full games on YouTube now, too, and on MLB TV. So, I mean, any game, really. I think 2018 and 19, they opened up completely. So 2018, that whole Red Sox series at home where the Friday game, you have Denard Spans double. And then the Saturday game is where Wade LeBlanc somehow becomes the best pitcher on earth and, like, shuts down the Red Sox. Those two games are definitely uh, worth watching again, I think. Have you guys done the highlight rabbit hole yet, or are you, are you holding that off for, like, week four, week five of the quarantine? No, yeah, I'm mostly just listening to, just mostly, um, you know, playing a lot of the show and trying to learn these baseball video games, which we should have some guides to later on. But, yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with um, my pitcher that I've created in Road to the Show, who is a gigantic large human being and um i love him more than i love any of my own family members (laughs) that's great and i'm glad you're doing that too because we did get questions at least i did on my personal account on twitter about if we're going to do any video game content yes we are going to start doing that it's just i have literally never held a playstation controller before this week so uh it's a learning curve Mm. yeah i bet that sounds fun though i've i need something like that like a big it feels weird to call it a project, but something like that where, like, you're learning something new and it's so time-consuming, like, sports video games can be. Like, that's yeah. exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, I'm supposed to be learning SQL in Spanish, but uh, I decided this was more important. <laughs> yeah, Spanish will always be there. You know, the show is, like, this is the time to do it because they have to do all the updates. You know, like, you got to be on top of it. Spanish isn't right. going to change, right? Right, like, right, absolutely. Language. Yeah, languages yeah. aren't living things. No. Cool. Johnny, any highlights to... <laughs> To, to plug, uh, I I have been falling down definitely just like the baseball savant like random video function for like because you can go to players essentially and just slam random video repeatedly. So if I like I would fall into this when I was trying to write articles about players and I was like oh there's not a lot of video on this person so I'll like find some and it just like it's very so like I watched like about fifteen minutes of Chad Cool. Who's like a pretty <laughs> wow. nondescript righty pitcher? Why? I think he's interesting because I think the Mariners should trade for him because he's got good stuff and the Pirates kind of suck um, and aren't using him properly. But like he missed all the last year with TJ, so I just watched video of him like throwing some hard fastballs against the Brewers and like I don't know, it was interesting. But man, like it it, it really sort of hammered home just how like how enjoyable baseball is to watch for me and just how like zen it makes me feel in that way you guys are saying like yeah i there's there's a lot it, it, it yeah. I, I suspect there will be a lot of that as time goes on if anyone hasn't done it that is a great feature because you can just and it loads pretty quickly and it's mm. just like show it's a pitch pitch by pitch it's a pitch at a time thing so you can just kind of continue hitting the little button and getting oh, yeah. your dopamine hit oh, yeah. constantly oh yeah it's good stuff that's great very on brand for all of us and i think that's you know we can only be true <laughs> to ourselves during this no point in 
putting on a facade during the age of Roni. So uh, everyone who listened and sent questions, we love you so much. Thank you um, for tuning into a baseball podcast when there's no baseball. (laughs) Really fantastic. Uh, As we mentioned, we're going to try to land some guests here. Um, You know, this is a very weird time for everyone, but when we have guests, uh, we will talk to them about whatever there is to talk about, hopefully get some insight on what life has been like for baseball players when they can't play baseball. But uh, if that doesn't happen, we'll be here with whatever this was a couple more times. <laughs> so press subscribe. We'll be here. I mean, we're not going anywhere. It's just a matter of who we're like language. Us. We never change. <laughs> yeah. You guys. And keep <laughs> your eye on the site. Slack messages. We'll have We'll have written content as well. Um, but in the meantime, it's going to be a lot of keeping ourselves entertained, and that involves you guys. So uh, let us give us any suggestions. Also, we love hearing what you guys want to read and want to see. We can easily do that uh, during this down period. So, yeah, any final words, John and Kate? Final Roni thoughts? Absolutely not. Perfect. Kate? Stay, stay safe, stay sane, stay at home. Perfect. And from the Governor Jay Inslee, goodbye.